0: Hi, everybody. The eczema is flaring, but boy, do I feel daring. It is another episode of Dirty Briefs, and I cannot thank you enough for being here. Are you having the most wonderful day? Probably not. The most wonderful day. But hopefully you're finding little bits of gratitude throughout. Little ways to shine your light upon others while they shine theirs upon yours. Because energy is cyclical. The more you give out, the more you can absorb. Same with love. Isn't that weird? That you can just exert as much love as possible. And somehow it will keep filling you up again and again with this warm, cuddly feeling. Yikes. Why am I in such a good mood this morning? Well, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that I taped my special. Everybody, yes, I did it. I did another thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a lot. I mean, I was, had so much... Building up to this. Obviously, I talked a lot last week about the anxiety that I had going into it because anytime you're going to release a major accomplishment, a new project, or just do something that is beyond yourself, those feelings are going to stir up. But I'm here to tell you the good, the okay, and the bad about taping my special. Now, first of all, great week. Leading up to it. I sold out the Hollywood Improv Lab, which first time headlining the Hollywood Improv. Awesome show. So many awesome, beautiful people came out. It was fantastic. Felt such a good so, so good. Moving on, went to Baltimore, first time ever at Magooby's Joke House. And big club Wednesday night, still got 73 people out. At that show, first time playing the club, they were stoked to have 73 people in there on a Wednesday. I was hoping for a hundred, but 73 is pretty good, especially for a brand new club to make an impression. The show was great. So many people from my high school came out, like my high school from 20 years ago, not current children that are going there. And that was awesome. And then take the train to Connecticut to Bridgeport. And now a lot of people ask me, Alex, why are you filming a special in Bridgeport? Are you from there? Do you have a deep connection there? Do you just love street crime so much? No. I have no connection to Bridgeport, Connecticut. None at all. My director and producer, Mike Furman, he lives in Connecticut. We scouted venues over there, found this beautiful theater, 180 seats. It looks like it's primed to shoot a comedy special. And that's why we chose Bridgeport. And I felt really good going into it. Uh, really good. We did two shows, and it's so I said it held 180 people. Well, we sold out both shows, but a lot of the tickets we gave away for free. A lot of them. And what happens when you give away a lot of free tickets, a lot of people are not going to show up. And sure enough, we are planning all day. We're shooting little behind-the-scenes stuff and little sketches, interstitials. I'm meeting the crew. We have 14 people on this crew. Everything is going great. Six camera setup. So this is a lot. I've invested in this special because I know that's the only way I'm going to move forward. When I spent all this money to do this, I was terrified. I had regrets. And my wife said, Alex, that money's doing no good just sitting in your bank account with you staring at it. You're putting it towards a greater goal. This is the way you move forward. So I had to go into it with that mentality. And it gets to be 7 o'clock. Time for the first show. And I'm looking around. There's not that many people in there. Not that many. And the people that are coming in, a lot of white hairs, a lot of white hairs, a lot of people that don't look necessarily like they would be my fan base. Now look, I will play to anybody. I put me in a senior home and I will do my best to have relatable material and conversations. I will find a way to make you laugh. Same if you put me in an elementary school. Those are my two biggest demographics, elementary schools, senior homes, but they don't always laugh the loudest. It's kind of hard to get to get it out of them and a lot of them were sitting towards the back we had to push them toward the front finally we had a pretty good crowd in there probably about a hundred people or so again it holds 180 if we have a hundred people in there it's gonna be okay we chose this theater because it was beautiful it the acoustics were wonderful we know we're gonna work with this I go out there and immediately it's Pulling teeth. Well, they're old. So, pulling dentures out of them. And my jokes, some of them I'm getting big pops, big hits. Others, I really feel like I'm just like stringing them along. Like, come on, guys, give this one to me. I know this is good material. I know it is. And look, some of it is very emotional, very real, vulnerable. It's not supposed to be non-stop, raucous, cacophonous laughter throughout. Oh, I love how I just said that. Ruckus, cacophonous, raucous, cacophonous, cacophony. Ruckity. Rock your body with the raucous cacophony. I get that. It's not. But I know what these jokes can do, and not all of them were happening. And so I go out into the lobby after the show. I'm not, I'm feeling okay. It's okay, but I have these thoughts on stage like this is not good enough for my special. Not for the money that I have put into this. Not for the work, the time that I have thought about this and this material, crafting it ever so delicately to get the perfect wording on all of this. Now, I just use the word perfect. One thing, I went into this saying, hey, there is no perfect. Perfect. It's not going to be perfect. You give them the best parts of you, Alex. Step on that stage and just give it to them. And whatever comes out is what's supposed to come out. When I went into the lobby after the first show, the compliments were insane. It was people were hugging me. People were practically crying on me. It was beautiful. And I, even though I didn't necessarily feel that energy during the show, I knew I had them. Like I had created some new fans, some people that were there that already knew who I was, that loved it. There's certain things happened during the show where I was like, this isn't it. Like some of them, I had a weird thing. A guy's cell phone went off right after I mentioned that I had had a stroke. His phone started ringing and I had to pay attention to it because everyone in this theater could hear it. Now, little things like that are going to happen. People are not always going to be respectful enough to turn off their phones. But even still, I walked off that stage and out of it after the after knowing I had another show to do and I was like, this is it. This second one I know is going to be the show that I need to put this thing where it's supposed to be, to excel my own career. My evening, this material. And sure enough, I'm watching a younger crowd come in. They're a little bit more energetic. Now, something you should know, Friday night late shows, most comedians will tell you, are the worst one of the entire weekend. A Friday late, and here's why. The crowd has probably had gone to work that day. Now they're a little tired. Now they're a little drunk. And the combination of all of those things creates to some weird experiences. And you know what? I like weird experiences. You know me. So I went with it. Yeah, there was some wildness in the audience. There were some, and there were some screaming out and things like that. But man, this crowd, they were in it from the get go. And I was in a groove. Something clicked in me knowing that I had to step up in this moment and that I had to make sure that this is the one that counted. Get every single second. You can just Get out of these people. You can expunge from them. You can get them to react in a certain way. Make them make noise. And I did. And I did. And it was really just one of those moments where I felt great about what was happening. And I knew we were capturing something beautiful. You know, the in-between... I was stressed. Oh man, between those shows, I was stressed because I was hoping, nail it on the first one, play and fuck around on the second one so you can have some sillier moments and things like that. That didn't happen. That first crowd, they just weren't going with me as much as I needed them to, which means now I have one more opportunity. You only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. Hey, lose yourself. I did lose myself. In that crowd, I enjoyed being up there. And that's part of this, is you have to enjoy it. Whatever you're trying to do, if you are going to make a project, if you're going to complete a task and you're not enjoying it, then why are we doing it at all? You have to enjoy it. And I really did. I was able to step off that stage and float and float because I know that this is going to transcend through many different audiences. I know that this is something different than I've ever put out before. This is the most real I have ever been because this material, this hour, it's dealing a lot with my days in the hospital, with the cancer diagnosis, with fertility issues, with the marriage to my wife, all of these things. I found a way to make them relatable and make them funny. And look, you're not going to get crazy fall on the floor laughter at cancer material because people are out there thinking, this is a little scary. I know someone who has cancer. I have cancer right now. But if you can get them with material like this, that is going to permeate their through their skin, through their epidermis, down into their dermis, into their bloodstream, and become a part of their soul. And that's what I wanted with this material. I've watched a lot of the footage back. I've picked my moments from each show that I want to keep. I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it. Because part of being an artist is what is your anthology? of work? What is your catalog? When I die, I don't care how many clips went viral on Instagram. I want to look at a bookcase worth of things. I want to look back and go, oh, look at all these wonderful achievements. There's my self-help book. There's my first album. There's my second album. There's my 30-minute documentary special from London. Here's my first actual special. Here's my pug yoga calendar. Here's All of the live shows that I ever produced. All of these things. Feels good. It feels good. I'm so excited for you all to see this material, this special, because we really, we put together something unique, something cool, and it is going to look beautiful, magical, magical. I really hope it makes you feel something because those people in the audience felt something. That crew felt something. We knew we were creating something that was bigger than ourselves. And as an artist, what more can you ask for? Create something bigger than yourself. Thank you guys for being here. I mean, this is a trip. And I don't know what I'm going to do next. I have some plans. Got some plans. Got some tour dates coming up. Be in Vegas this weekend with Craig Gass, my great friend, opening at Jimmy Kimmel's Comedy Club. Follow me online. You guys know where to find me, at dot HooperComedy.com. And if you're hearing this, just know if you have something big coming up, believe that you can do it. Step into the role of someone who's going to crush that performance, project, meeting, date, whatever it may be. You got this. You got this. And uh, put a little moisturizer on if your eczema's flaring because it's never comfortable. <laughs> came right out of cancer, right back to eczema. Ain't life silly. <laughs> I love you all. Can't wait for you to see Brace Yourself. And for everyone that came out while I was leading up to it, love you so much. Thank you for helping me build something amazing. Have a beautiful day. Beautiful day, week, month, 2024.